is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. We're going to start talking about football today. Lots of changes on the coaching staff, and then we'll get into some basketball stuff later. I venture to say the football stuff is more exciting anyway because, uh, as we'll talk about in the second half, it's just lots of doinks over there on the basketball side. But uh, Derek, can you bring us up to speed on the coaching changes and, and the reshuffling on the football side? Yeah, and I'll do one better. Um, I okay. I like the all of the amount today. You know, first uh, UM Athletics drops the name, image, likeness stuff with the Victor's uh, you know, Victor's program for basically the matchmaking service between companies and people with money and, and college athletes at the University of Michigan. So I thought that was, you know, good news, a step in the right direction, maybe a little bit behind Texas A&M and some others, but timing of that felt like it was good and then followed up with some offensive and, and defensive staff changes and updates. Just a good a good day of news. Do you think as an individual person, could I sponsor a player? Could I, could I work that out? Like, I'm like, Hey, I got 20 bucks. You, I think if you, I, I didn't full, I didn't read the whole thing in detail, but I read a lot of it. It sounds like you could partner with a company and give them money to give if you wanted to. But I think you have to have, okay. A company or you know LLC. Well, I'm just gonna to, start an LLC. Clearly, to get approved. Yeah, if you if you tonight. were to start one, fill out the form. I mean, the form's really simple. Uh, you could latch onto a company. We could start okay. our own company. We could consider this a company. Okay. And yeah, you know, we could we could make a five dollar donation per week to a different player and just say, hey, you know, Chipotle on us. I know it's outside of the uh, rules to pay f- like based on performance, though. So unfortunately, we couldn't be like, "That was a nice 150-yard game. Here's an extra 20 bucks." <laughs> not not within the parameters of the program, but something to consider. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I can just like float my name out there and see what kind of opportunities exist here with the the new NIL stuff. Yeah, you know, I think it was good timing, and again, followed by some of the you know the football coaching announcements and changes. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that kind of trickled out throughout the week. You know, Josh Gaddis, obviously, since we last spoke, is off to Miami. Kind of a weird Sunday when that happened. Uh, but, yeah, you know, by Wednesday, you know, normal time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, uh, seems like the staff is in place. It doesn't mean that guys can't make different decisions. But, yeah, we can go over the the uh, the change. Do you want to go with offense or defense first? I, I want to go with uh, offense first because – I I want to talk a little bit more about the Josh Gaddis stuff. Okay. All right, so offense, you're going to have a two-offensive coordinator system. You know, a lot of people aren't in favor of that type of system, but I think the names um, that you'll hear and that everybody knows by now, I think make it work. So you got Sharon Moore, you know, co-offensive coordinator. Also the Donald C. Graham offensive line coach. Oh, my. Uh, I should say, sorry, the Sanford Robinson uh co-offensive coordinator matt weiss a little bit of an upgrade sanford robinson co-offensive coordinator and the yeah. quarterbacks coach of course managed that yeah. uh you know that that relationship between kate and jj helped manage it i should say ron bellamy you know who who people kind of speculated would coach wide receivers eventually 
has made the transition from one side of the ball to the other. So he'll be with the wide receivers. Guessing that's what Andrell Anthony Jr. was kind of hinting at when he said our next move would be the craziest. I know he's a you know not only a, a longtime Michigan high school coach, but a guy that uh, is probably going to kill it on the recruiting trail and is just a absolute players coach. So it could be what he was referring to. Mike Hart still on board for now. You know, a couple of rumors and murmurs about him having NFL interest were out there. But not only the running backs coach, but the run game coordinator, which, you know, add a little beef to his title as well. Grant Newsom, probably my favorite addition. Uh, I think I read that he's still only 24 for another month no. or so. <laughs> has to be one no. of the youngest has to be one of the youngest uh oh, coaches. God. Uh for a power five conference, I would imagine, but he's going to be coaching tight ends. You know, mm. he had the, uh, you know, just a, just a amazing person. Coach Harbaugh has always said such incredible things about him. He had to medically retire, but he's hung around the program. You know, coach Harbaugh had, had said that he was going to be a future coach someday. And so how cool for him to be a grad assistant, but then get his opportunity actually coaching tight ends. Uh, and then Jay Harbaugh, and this will kind of lead into the defense, but we'll talk about that still in a second because now you want to touch offense. Special teams coordinator still, um, but moved away from tight ends and will be coaching safeties now. So that's the offense. I think this all feels like an upgrade in a weird way. Um, I think Josh Gaddis had some moments. I think he had some good moments, some bad moments. Speed and space really never became a thing. The way they beat Ohio State didn't really seem to be, you know, it was definitely a part of Josh Gaddis' scheme, but it seemed like there's a lot of Shrome Moore and, and Harbaugh in there. I think you have a Matt Weiss with his quarterback experience from last year at Michigan working uh, in the NFL at well, as well with a lot of positions, including quarterback. I think he'll probably be, you know, just with his analytics and stuff, I think he's going to be uh, a good person to have uh, him and Shrome Moore together, I think, will probably do as much as they did last year, but actually be credited for it. Um, I've seen a lot of people wonder, you know, how much was Harbaugh, how much was Jerome Moore, how much was Josh Gaddis. To me, in a weird way, kind of feels like an upgrade. Uh, I think Josh Gaddis was going to be on his way out no matter what, probably after this next year. He was almost going to be a, you know, a head coach. Uh, just fell short of, of getting the offer, so... Yeah, felt like it was time for him to move on, especially after the tech stuff. Uh, you know, assistant of the year, credit to him. He brought a lot of good things. Uh, but time for him to go, clearly. And I think they, um, you know, essentially have upgraded a couple of key people on their staff. And I think that ultimately that will mean as good of things for the offense moving forward. Yeah, my first thought about Josh Gaddis is from Jim Harbaugh's perspective, you want to be churning out head coaches from your assistants. I wonder how he feels. You've had an offensive coordinator for a few seasons, and he leaves to go be an offensive coordinator. I wonder if that bites at him at all. I'm thinking of Nick Saban, you know, a guy who, who just famously, uh, he's almost got like a assistant coach rehab program over there. If you're struggling wherever you are, you, you go coach under Nick Saban for a bit, and then you go out and you're ready again. Um, you alluded to the tech stuff, and then this, you had public comments, which were, course much different than that uh so i i i don't know i I, i'm not gonna go so far as to say it's like it feels like an upgrade but i think it could be we've seen in the recent past where it just seemed like michigan had too many too many cooks in the kitchen as they say offensively uh uh, it wasn't 
it seemed like it wasn't always like clear who the play caller was who had ultimate authority and stuff like that so um i would worry about that just a little bit with with two offensive coordinators uh you know co-offensive coordinators i guess and obviously throwing jim harbaugh but uh i it doesn't feel like a downgrade that's for sure i think uh all things considered without you know if, if nothing else happens like harbaugh did a really nice job of keeping things intact uh, it's significant to lose your offensive and defensive coordinator but uh, it's clear that there are guys on the staff underneath those coordinator roles who played really important roles in, in Michigan's uh, resurgence last season and I think keeping them around giving them some uh, more responsibilities bigger titles like it all makes perfect sense so I think he did a nice job there yeah, you know, I look at Ron Bellamy coming over to coach receivers. I think the receiver room will be excited about that. You know, you look at what maybe Michigan left on the table in terms of some quarterback play at times. Um, you know, I think Matt Weiss will have more opportunity to have a little bit more say after a year of working with two really solid quarterbacks. You know, Sharon Moore led a group to, to be the offensive lineman of the year. Uh, Mike Hart obviously had a lot of success with Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, you know, sprinkling in Donovan Edwards just enough to get his feet wet, get him some experience. You know, you've got two of those three talented backs returning. You know, again, you, you bump him up to run game coordinator and he's around for now. Uh, and, you know, bringing in more good recruits at that running back position, especially speed and guys that, you know, are Mike Hart-like guys. So if you if you think of all of that, you're really not losing – the people that were leading those key groups that are most successful, that line protecting the quarterback, you know, allowing the run game to be so successful. And then again, that run game and, and how much Michigan relied on it, you know, 80% of the time early in the season and really, you know, with the son Haskins play uh, late in the season really carried them, especially in that Ohio state game. So again, maybe upgrades, not the right term. I think what, like you said, you know, it's definitely not a downgrade to me. It looks like you have a new body in the wide receiver room, maybe to get some, you know, more wide receiver interest, uh, especially if you can have a guy like a, a J.J. McCarthy develop with many in the way many people think he will be able to. Um, yeah, it, it feels like it could be an upgrade, but again, it's going to take some time to, to see that, um, which, you know, I think we could say the same about the defensive staff, so I can just jump into that. Lots of changes there as well. You know, obviously a new defensive coordinator and Jesse Minter spent the year at Vanderbilt. Uh, before that was in the Ravens system feels like a good schematic fit um, though he'll obviously have his own touches on everything uh, you've got uh, Steve Klinkscale who's going to get that promotion that he deserves co-defensive coordinator still be responsible for the DBs Mike Elston who you know was on Brian Kelly staff formerly is now in Michigan staff defensive line and also got the title of the program's recruiting coordinator he's had a lot of good success there in the past at Notre Dame Jay Harbaugh again uh, I think you know Obviously, he's coached just about everything since PM. Yeah, that's that's so true. The only thing he has <laughs> done is like coached the quarterbacks and been the head coach. I feel like <laughs> right. It feels like he's, but you know, he he won. Uh, I can't remember who gives out that award, but I think he was the top special teams coordinator of the year. Um, you know, has has been a solid, consistent recruiter. Somebody who has been, you know, with the program this entire time, which is you know can't say about really anyone else. Uh, so some consistency there, you know, obviously a family guy. I think he'll do just fine at the safeties. He's got clink scale there to, to help him with the D-back stuff. And then George Hilo still still on the staff as well. 
uh, with linebackers for now. So again, you can't call this an upgrade, but you can look at it as a similar situation as someone who's relatively unknown, a young guy uh, who's probably going to be really well-liked, want to be out on the recruiting trail. You know, Mike McDonald had, had basically stated like that was not his thing. Uh, he was not interested in that part of it. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has recruiting experience being at Vanderbilt for a year, got some good recruits to sign with Vanderbilt, you know, obviously not a cream of the crop program in the sec. Oh, uh, don't on, look Derek. at his defensive stats <laughs> last year. They weren't very good, but again, you wouldn't expect them to be all that great. And they were very early in, in doing some things differently. So he's in a better position. And I think Michigan's in a just fine position with not only him, joining but a guy like clink scale getting a you know a raise and uh in a title bump he deserves and then a guy like mike elston coaching that defensive line with sean new departure a guy who has a ton of experience recruiting a ton of experience coaching multiple positions and then again that consistency with jay harbaugh just being in the program and maybe not an upgrade but it feels like michigan could be in a very stable spot your biggest worry there is you don't have david ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, but there's a lot of people that think that, you know, the things that Mike McDonald wanted to do never really happened because they had those two players. So now you might get to see a little bit of what Michigan's defense was hoping to be last year. Hopefully guys step up and can become stars because you're replacing a lot on defense, but feels like a good put together staff for me. And again, I, I don't necessarily consider it a downgrade, um, I think Mike McDonald, McDonald showed a lot, but you didn't have a lot of expectations when he took over last year. So I would give, you know, probably be in the same spot with Jesse Minter myself. It's going to be so hard to evaluate all of this stuff defensively because of, like you said, losing two really good, like, edge rushers who, who just set the tone for your whole defense. Losing Daxton Hill, you're not going to have Josh Ross in the middle. Like, like that that's a lot that's a lot to replace and so it could be the case that like this coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball you know kills it knocks it out of the park they're doing great but it it just doesn't show up in the same way that it did last year and um so of course we're going to rush to judgment and say this didn't work out failed experiment whatever uh we're just going to have to have some patience on that side of the ball i think and and it, it could have nothing to do with who the coaches are, it could have nothing to do with with that uh, with the staff. It you know it could just be the simple fact that like Michigan's losing a lot of production they, and, and they're gonna try to replace it. And uh, you figure, hey, it'll work here, maybe, but it's not gonna work everywhere. I mean, you might you you might you know, keep uh keep your sack numbers up, you know, or something like that. But I mean, who's who's coming down? and big time run support help like Daxton Hill was and, and who's able to just as easily drop into coverage and go one-on-one -on -one with, with your top receiver. Like that kind of thing might be missing. So uh, just we're going to have to exercise a lot of patience. And, and so I, I agree that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a downgrade with the coaching staff, but the product may end up being just not as good because of what they're losing. Yeah, too, you know, the, the object of the game is to score more points. And I think as long as your offense is capable of doing that, you know, even this, this last team, you know, I was reading in the, in the article on MGO blue, um, you know, they gained over 6,200 offensive yards, second most in school history teams, 501 points, six highest in Michigan history. 
I mean, you got to score to win games, and, and there's a lot of leagues that score a lot of points and don't seem to play a whole lot of defense. So as long as your defense can hold opponents, you know, every once in a while outside of the juggernauts, like maybe in Ohio State, uh, which, you know, has been a problem and was a problem under Don Brown, you know, you, you can win ball games with a very good offense. I think this offense could improve, um, if not at least be pretty consistent to where they were a year ago. So you could afford to, you know, be a little less dominant on defense as long as you're scoring consistently. But yeah, you know, I think the defense is, is going to replace so much, but hopefully the guys that are there, um, guys that will come in in the future, you know, with it being a similar, you know, scheme or should be at least, uh, they want to kind of pick up where they left off. I think a lot of guys are going to be able to stay very comfortable in roles that they're pretty much used to. And then obviously there's going to be some guys that develop a lot heading into their second, third years, or just with some more playing time uh, with, with big minutes and, and big snaps uh, disappearing. So, yeah, a lot of question marks. There'll be a lot of hypes around spring ball like we talked about. And, and like we talked about with the whole Harbaugh fiasco, you know, coming back after the dance at the NFL again. Like, already it, it seems like there's a, a new buzz. Um, not that that's forgotten about, but, you know, getting the, the staff together, you know, a week later, um, and, and, and being able to kind of make these announcements, you know, barring if anyone happens to take their talents elsewhere, like Josh Gaddis, pretty good turnaround within a week to, uh, you know, have all of these people named to get some of the upgrades that were deserved on the staff. And hopefully, you know, allows Michigan to, to avoid some of that negative NFL noise that Jim Harbaugh brought to the program. So yeah, between that and the name image likeness, which obviously stretches far beyond football, seems like a pretty good day for Michigan football news, at least. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, look at the basketball stuff here. And I want to start with a piece of trivia for you, Derek. Michigan leads the country in this category. The pity part of me wants to say turnovers. The correct answer is Michigan leads the country in 9 p.m. Eastern tips. <laughs> I should have saw Which that. is unofficial. <laughs> <laughs> It's unofficial, but if that's not true, I'll be surprised. Uh, getting ridiculous, Michigan beat Penn State 58-57, a 9 p.m. tip. Uh, coming up Thursday tomorrow, a 9 p.m. tip against Purdue. It Michigan's you know back and forth here. Uh, starting January 26th against Northwestern, win, and then from there is win, loss, win, loss, win. Uh, I guess you know. If if that falls, we're just looking at a loss. But I I have such a hard time like gauging what Michigan is, other than not good. Like, you know what I mean? Like they just seem so average. They don't they don't shoot the ball very well. Uh, other teams seem to have great night shooting against them. Hunter Dickinson has been dominating, but I mean take the performance against Penn State as an example. Like he put up twenty shots and he had to do that to get nineteen points. That's you know not great. I, I, what do you make of Michigan? Because I don't know what to make of them. I mean, they're a one-man team right now. Uh, Hunter Dickinson needs some help. You know, credit to him for playing his heart and mind out many times this season. He seems to be able to get his against any opponent, whether it's Michigan State knocking down triples, you know, holding his own against two of the best big men in the country at Purdue. Uh, we'll have another chance against Purdue at home. Like you said, another 9 p.m. tip on a Thursday night. 
Um, you know, love it. Mm, love it. More than 24 hours from now, because of course we don't record podcasts that late at night. Why would they? Tip who, nobody does anything that. Who, that nobody does anything night. that late at night. Especially so get ready oh, for bed. Man, especially get ready for bed. Week, week during the week and, and in the winter. That's that's one of those games. I'd love to go to that game, but I don't. I don't. You know, I don't want to be home at midnight, especially if it's Purdue. The way Purdue just played against Illinois. The way Purdue played against Michigan, even though Michigan gave them everything they could in a game yeah. at Purdue. Yeah. yeah, like you said, you, you have no idea what to expect going into a, a team against now an even higher-ranked Purdue team. And and I think it's the Hunter Dickinson show. Again, a lot of credit to him. Uh, he's playing really well. This team would be a lot better if even one guy played consistently paired with him. Uh, you Once in a while, you'll see that from Caleb Houston, and then he'll be quiet. You know, Musa Diabate will have a big half and then get in foul trouble and seem to not play the rest of the game. Eli Brooks has never been steady enough, though always a reliable player because of his defensive presence. And then the point guard play, you know, pretty inconsistent, whether you're talking about Devontae Jones or Frankie Collins, who's been a lot quieter as of late. So, you know, outside of Terrence Williams coming in and going for nine in a row himself, like there's not <laughs> another playmaker i guess and, and that seems harsh but it you know everyone knows that they're gonna have to run through hunter dickinson they're gonna do everything they can to run through hunter dickinson and if they're not hitting those outside shots that again hunter dickinson is often creating by drawing so much presence inside i don't know what to tell you you're not going to beat many teams if you don't have a second player that steps up uh in a low scoring game at penn state you find a way to win they found ways to win against Nebraska in a tough game, a Northwestern game that I was at, um, at six thirty game. You know, even that felt too late for that matchup for <laughs> for how it went and how they barely won. But you know, this is a team that beat Indiana on the road and looked really good and looked like a complete team. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you just don't know who's showing up. And you know, you got the sense that last night was going to be a loss with the way they played in the first half, and it just happened that no team could score in the second half. Michigan ends up coming out on top, but you know, not, not a quality basketball game in any sense. I hope tomorrow night is a good game. You'd love to see him give Purdue another fight. I don't expect them to beat Purdue. What a win if they did. Um, but my goodness, man, you just don't know who's, who's showing up outside of Hunter Dickinson. And if no one shows up outside of him, it's, you can probably chalk it up as now. You know what Michigan's got to do is, win a game or two that they're really not supposed to in terms of like getting into the NCAA tournaments uh, still, you know, it's like a bubble team right now. You have a great opportunity against Purdue here. Then you could do it against Ohio State. You got Wisconsin, still another game against Illinois. And then you've got another one against Michigan State, another one against Ohio State. Like there are plenty of opportunities here to win games that, that you look at on paper and you're, and you're like, they shouldn't. That also means you have lots of opportunities to lose games down the stretch uh i'm looking i mean as of right now one two three games left against unranked opponents like that's not a great ratio for michigan here uh but if it's going to be the hunter dickinson show okay if, if that's the direction it's going and and i you know it kind of looks like it is except for the occasional night where everybody's hitting shots like what was happening against indiana or maybe you get like really good help from Caleb Houston, Musabi Diabate, whatever. If it's going to be the Hunter Dickinson show, the next step in his evolution, because he's he's proving that you got to go out there and defend him. He can hit those long twos. He can hit from behind the arc. His next step 
he doesn't even really have the pump fake, but just a little bit of something to get his seven foot defender up in the air a tiny little bit and and add that drive to his game where he I guarantee he's not getting to the bucket because three defenders are gonna crash on him before he picks up his first dribble. But he could create some open looks for other shooters and that kinda goes back to like you need somebody stepping up alongside him. But if it's gonna be his show, like he could do that. I think he's he's got the skill. He doesn't have to be Mo Wagner out there. Uh, but if you if you can draw your defender out and and do just the tiniest little bit of something to to catch him off guard and, and next thing you know you've got a step, like that's a big deal in this offense that really struggles to create open shots. And so if it'd be a great opportunity against uh purdue to bust that one out and i'm kind of you know reading the tea leaves here i don't know but i was i've been thinking that all season like if he's if he's going to add that outside shot to his game which he has then the thing after that is okay defenders are coming out on me now these shots are more contested than they used to be uh i think that was pretty true against against penn state didn't get a lot of like good open looks but he still put them up next step man go around him I understand you're big and tall and you're not going to get to the rim, but you're going to create havoc in the defense because now everybody else has to crash. They got to figure that out. You can create something that way. I think they're trying to do that with Musa Diabate because that's a guy who's a little lengthier, you know, has a little bit more speed and maybe a little bit more, you know, a lot more athleticism, I guess, not to take anything away from Hunter Dickinson, but he just seems to be so inconsistent. You know, like he had a relatively you know, he had shot a lot of free throws at indiana i remember that that was you know the majority of his points but he was doing just that he was getting to the getting to the line because he was taking it to the hoop now maybe you don't trust him as a passer like you do hunter dickinson but no between way. the two of them you have to see better play at the four and five um and you know that hunter could use help you know he's got to take a break and he could run into foul trouble if he runs into foul trouble it almost feels like a sure loss for michigan because of how much of the the production he's providing. But, you know, really it's, again, it's just a question mark on on who else can show up. If you can get a guy like Caleb Houston some open looks and he can knock down some shots, does a ton for his confidence, it seems. You know, if he's, if he's hitting early, it seems like he's even defending better. Uh, Eli Brooks, you know, had a big run in the game I was at, like a 9-0 run himself against Northwestern. But, you know, sometimes – his little run and the only points you see him get, he had two points in that big win at Indiana. So, you know, Hunter Dickinson has, is doing about everything they've asked him to do and more. I think he can definitely take that next step. I would love to see him, you know, utilize, you know, guys are going to, you know, crap or, uh, you know, close out on him. Uh, you saw that a lot, like you mentioned at Penn state, but yeah, can he take his game to the next level to, to hopefully take this team to the next level? And, and then, you know, just Devontae Jones, a lot of the, you know, screen fouls. There's like a lot of ticky-tack things you can pick on him. <laughs> I can't yeah, watch they, that. They really do need, I can't. They, they need a consistent leader on this team, and they just don't seem to have that. And, you know, I, Eli Brooks is struggling in a much more important role, like a more valuable role. You know, he Eli Brooks played well last year and years prior because he was a role player and he's really good as a role player when you when you have him playing 34 minutes a game you know likely the most on the team most nights you know and and he's not performing you know you're asking him to do probably a little bit more than than you know 
he he can do. And I think that's the the biggest frustration. And and I never really expected that. You know, I was really hopeful that a Caleb Houston or a Musa Diabate or a Devontae Jones would really have big seasons, you know, throughout. Like Iggy Brasdakis came in and was really consistent. You know, he had some annoying moments too, but that dude would put up 10, 15 a night and be pretty solid getting to the bucket, you know, putting up three-pointers. You know, you have not seen that from Caleb Houston. You've not seen that consistency from the other freshmen. And when you force Eli Brooks to have to play a more major role than maybe his type of player is meant to play, you know, and he's not able to perform in the big games once in a while outside of defensively, you know, you're putting a lot of stress on a young guy or, you know, a guy coming off the bench to be that next go-to guy. And, and yeah, I mean, it's a one man team. Uh, and then less shots are falling or they're getting to the line, which, you know, helped them win the game at Penn state last night. You just don't have a lot of hope against these bigger opponents, but I will say, you know, as my closing thought, it does seem like outside of Michigan state in the second half, it does feel like Michigan plays pretty well lately against top opponents like to do what they did at Purdue and stay in that game that was impressive that's that's an impressive loss to a team that looks like one of the best teams in the nation without a doubt especially one of the best offensive teams in the nation and if you can hang with them again give yourself some confidence maybe beat an Ohio State that seems a little bit more beatable um, this weekend Uh, and then again take care of business against some of these unranked teams at 9 p.m. that you just don't enjoy watching them play until 11 p.m. You know, you could make the tournament, but that's where we're at. You know, this is a bubble team at best, and they could really use a, you know, a win over a ranked opponent, whether on the road or or at home, these next two opportunities to really boost their resume because they just don't have a lot going for them. Yeah, hopefully that's what we're talking about next week is is a – at least one win. It'd be great to get a couple wins here against uh, nice opponents, help that resume, and hopefully next time we get back here, the football noise is officially over. We can kind of settle into the spring stuff uh, and then carry us into the summer and the rest of the off season and get ready for fall again. But uh, if if Michigan you know, is, is going to find a way into the NCAA tournament, I mean, it, they can't delay some kind of run too long where all of a sudden you're praying for a miracle and in the conference tournament so uh, no better way to start that than beating the number three team in the country on your home court and and get that ball rolling and get things moving in the right direction so hopefully that's what we're talking about next week but we'll see you all then on the other side so take out take care out there and go blue